You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. We have a full house tonight. Matt is not with us in studio, but he's here uh I guess not in the flesh, but in the digital flesh. So, Matt, I'm going to start with you for the Long first time. Long live the digital flesh. Long live the digital flesh. How are you, Matt? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm in the process of move number two from the opposite coast. I will make it to Chicago eventually and be back in the sweat lodge. Yay. And I heard you're actually uh, you're becoming an intern for some um, politicians or something. You're doing something on Capitol Hill. I don't know what you're doing over there. Uh, yes, uh, I am currently working for Martin Sheen. I don't know. Who is the guy in West Wing? Martin Michael. Sheen, yeah. Good yeah. reference. Nailed it. You're working for I'm, Jed Bartlett. I am Dulé Hill. Ooh, that means you're going to get a nice uh, knife from the family of Paul Revere for Thanksgiving. A nice knife. Yeah, and Ken, how are you doing today? I heard you're, you're reading a, a large text. I'm reading Dune because uh, this is uh, probably five, six weeks that we're recording before you're hearing this, but I'm sure by now... Dune mania is sweeping the United States because the movie's coming out. There's worms in the streets, kids There's worms dressed up. in the streets, yeah. What's the name of the lead character? Paul. Paul. So a lot of kids Paul dressed up as dressed, Paul. Yeah, Paul yeah. Uh, costumes for Halloween. Yeah. And what is, what is it? Something with the spice? All spice? or It's all about the spice. Okay. Uh, and Jeff, how are you doing today? Good. Uh, I'm not moving and I'm not literate, so not much going on with me. <laughs> We rolled you in here uh, on sort of whatever that thing that Hannibal Lecter is on in Silence of the Lambs. We just kind of rolled you in right in front yeah, of the it's microphone. Yeah, sort of like uh, sort of like one of those uh, immobilizing boards, but also strapped to a, a furniture mover. You are in a straight jacket right now. I do find it more comfortable. It's like a warm blanket. Uh, well, a uh, full house here, so we're really excited. Uh, we have a very special guest uh, who is returning to host a game today. Uh, he's an executive producer on Patreon, which we uh, cannot thank him enough for. And he's coming to us from uh, Burlington, Kansas, and that is James Campbell. How are you, James? I am very well. Thank you so much for asking. How, how are you guys? We're doing great. We're super excited to see you again. We had a wonderful time last time uh, when you hosted a game, and it was just us four, the the core four, if you want to call us that. But we're excited to have you back. What's been new in your world? And uh, we hope uh, you've been doing well. Everything is getting a little closer to normal. We're starting to actually... Essentially, for the last couple of months, the court system has said, okay, we've been shut down for a year and a half, so do everything in like three months. So it's been very, very hectic. So this has been a very nice break to write some trivia and work toward this evening and get this recording up and running. Well, we can't wait to play it. And we know that you actually hooked up with some friends of ours, uh, Cheyenne Fletcher and Tim Edwards, and they helped you uh, get a a pub trivia uh, event going. And how did that go? That went fantastic. I did. I met them, got uh, hooked up with them through different people in the crop and met Tim down in Tulsa. He hooked me up with a team and we wound up winning the night I played down there and hoping to get back soon. I've been spending a lot of time in Tulsa doing some litigation down there in Indian territory. Uh, well, we're, we're super excited, James, um, to play your game today, to have you back. Uh, and I believe last time that we had you on the show, Ken and I, you we partnered together, but we perform terribly that's what i hear it sounds likely it is very likely so we're not going to partner today i'm going to partner with jeff and jeff we've been talking about uh something that we share in common uh for our team name today and i'll let you uh describe that 
Yeah, so uh, Neil, as of yesterday, got me into uh, Only Murders in the Building, which I'm enjoying currently on Hulu, and uh, can't say uh, can't say too much uh, if you have a chance to watch it. Um, maybe it's give good. it a try. It's, give it, it's a good one. I'd recommend right. it. So uh, we're going to be, uh, based on that and the fact that there's a little bit of a podcast tie-in on that show, we're going to be Only Murders in the Podcast. Okay. And uh, like I said, uh, I'm sure every one of our listeners went to the theaters to see Dune because we got to get that second one. So let's run up the box office totals. We're going to be th- be the star of Dune, Timothy Chalamet. Oh, Timothy Chalamet. Timothy, yeah. That sounds kind of like a Matt Matt uh, team name. It could oh, be. Yeah. It could be pronounced that way. Hmm. Anyways, we're the Dune Squad over here. Ooh, Timothy Chalamet and the Dune Squad. <laughs> I like that. Um, speaking of Dune, actually, um, now that this is six weeks ahead and the movie has come out, I watched it how Denis Villeneuve uh, intended it on an iPod Nano. <laughs> so <laughs> the expansive world that he created, it was just so rich on the iPod Nano. Um, but James, uh, any pre- preference on a rules read uh, so we can hear the rules of the game? You know, the the last time I hosted, you had just gotten the Gilbert Godfrey, and I was so geared up as we were going through to to get to hear that one. But I think in honor of his masterful performance in Penn Jillette's The Aristocrats, I would like to hear the Gilbert Godfrey version. All right, let's hear Gilbert Godfrey do the rules and then maybe tell the Aristocrats. Triviality Podcast is two rounds of 20 questions worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there's a special swing round by this week's host. In the final round, players wager points they've earned for a chance to become the cream of the crop. You're the cream of the crop. That was not a clean joke. Not a clean joke. No, and we had to bleep a ton of it. I guess let's go to James, and uh, we got Jeff and Neil versus Ken and Matt, a pretty old-school two-on-two, and we are ready, James. This is a game kind of designed with you guys in mind, whether love, hate, or whatever you feel. The entire game is pop-punk-based. Oh, wonderful. So for the first round, every category is a Fallout Boy song. They will not be just Fallout Boy, but that's where you get your category names from. Question number one is Thriller. In the song Thriller, Jay-Z speaks an introduction and talks again at the end of the song. That ending, Young, F-O-B, certainly refers to Fallout Boy. But those initials originally were used in business, meaning the point at which liability shifted from the seller to the buyer. In the business sense, what does FOB stand for? It certainly doesn't refer to a possible gratuitous shipping cost. Matt, this seems like your kind of question for some reason. Yes, it no? It is with my my uh, useless degree in economics. I do know this one, so we can lock in. Yay. So, Jeff, I know when you had AOL and you had the dial-up modem, you would often look at gratuitous pictures of sales. Yes, that's what I was doing. Um, when I would shove the pillow yes, on the back of yes, the computer so that you wouldn't hear pictures. the AOL going off. Um, so it's got to be something. Oh, B's got to be buyer, right? If it's related fault to the buyer, maybe. Or... Ooh, fault of buyer. I wonder with fault of buyer, they always ask you if you need insurance. Maybe um, if you bought something from a faraway country um, and you didn't pay the insurance or something and it breaks since the fault of the buyer or something no. like that. Uh, we're not going to get any better if that's not it. So we'll lock it in. Yeah, well, it does have to do with shipping. It's kind of the point where once it's paid for, it's out of the buyer's hands, um, meaning usually it's on board. So the OB is usually on board and it's free on board or freight on board, depending on um, when you were hearing it. But those are the two that it usually stands for. Matt is correct. It is free on board. And basically you can have something be FOB shipping point or FOB destination. So, like, if you're talking about shipping a crate of goods from China to the United States, the price is going to be drastically different if you get an FOB shipping point or FOB destination, because that's who bears the liability while it's crossing the ocean. All right. Thank you, Matt. (laughs) 
And although I don't have a useless economics degree, I do have a useless economics minor. So that was how I knew that one as well. Question number two. Our lawyer made us change the name of this song so we wouldn't get sued. In 2003, what company changed its name to Altria to distance itself from the sale of cigarettes and tobacco? The company said it was intended to show that the company sold a wide variety of products, but most people weren't really buying that theory. Um, I have a good guess here, Matt, if you want to lock in. The only company I can think of that sold cigarettes was Philip Morris. And wasn't there like a movie or a documentary that was like, thank you, Philip Morris, or something like that? Or There was I Love You, Philip Morris I with love Jim you, Philip Carrey. Morris. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't think it had anything to do with... Co- coincidental. Coincidental. But there was yeah. a movie, Thank You for Smoking, with Aaron Eckhart, which I think came out a little bit after I graduated high school, which would have been 2003. So I'm fine going Philip Morris. I mean, they were the biggest giant in cigarettes. Yeah. We'll lock in Philip Morris. Yeah. That's the only company I can think of, too. Philip Morris. Both are correct. It is Philip Morris. That was kind of a toss-up question where it was either going to be RJR Nabisco or Philip Morris. Those were the two major tobacco producers. But Philip Morris changed to Altria. Question number three, the afterlife of the party. In computers, what is it called when you divide an image into smaller portions for display or storage? Generally, you don't do it with blood cells. All right, I think we're going to go ahead and uh, lock in on this one. Jeff, the only thing I can think of are hard drives when you partition different parts of the hard drive, but I've never heard images being described as partitions. Yeah, and I also can't think of how that would tie in with blood cells. Um, I, do you want to just say compress? Sure, we'll okay. say compress. Um, yeah, we talked about compress, but uh, we think it's maybe clotting or clot, just more due to the blood cell hint. Oh, no points on that one. You missed the clue that was in the lyrics of the song. The eyes dilate, the blood cells pixelate. So oh. to break it down is to pixelate. Matt, I didn't I know. know there was pop punk <laughs> hints in these two. <laughs> Got to go a little deeper sometimes. Question number four, the disloyal order of water buffaloes. What word came into use in English as a result of the Irish land wars in the 1880s. It refers to an individual person's last name. He was a British estate manager whom the Irish tenants were trying to ostracize. Generally, it came to mean a nonviolent intentional protest to stop using a product or service, sometimes even love. All right, we're locked in. This is a boycott? It's got to be. Um... I like your reasoning on that. Uh, I was kind of thinking boycott as well. And it does sound like an English last name. Lord Boycott or Duke Boycott. The Duke Duke of Boycott. Okay. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Yep. I think we're on the same page, right, Matt? Boycott? Yeah. I mean, it's 2021. You could have a girl cot too, but I think that it's, <laughs> it's fine either way. So. Yes. Boycott love. Detox just to retox. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. It's in the lyrics. Oh, I, see, I gotta remember. I I know the lyrics too. I'm not even thinking about them, so I gotta I gotta do that. Question number five: America's sweetheart. Who became one of America's sweethearts in the '50s, based upon her movie appearances and her singing career? Her husband left her in 1959 for a legendary sex symbol, but their daughter still grew up to be a princess. Uh, we can lock in. What if it's is it is it uh, Carrie Fisher's mom? No. Oh. Princess Leia. Okay. Um, that's Yeah, that, that works. Um, what was her name? D- Liza Minnelli. Shut it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Denise? D- D- Anne Margaret? Denise Richards? No. <laughs> oh, what was her name? Her name starts with a D. Um, uh, she passed away right after Carrie Fisher passed away. We have to, we have to tap. Uh, the philanderer in question was Eddie Fisher, uh, and his daughter was Carrie Fisher, and uh, their mom was the star of Singing in the Rain, Debbie Reynolds. Oh, come on! <laughs> you had everything but the right answer. That is correct. Debbie Reynolds is the right answer. Her, her daughter grew up to be Princess Leia. So that is five rounds. Do we have a score update? 
We do. Uh, it's actually tied. This is a very close game. It's 30 to 30. So we're very evenly matched today. On to the second half of the first round. Coffee is for closers. What decaffeination process relies on caffeine dissolvability and osmosis to remove caffeine from the green coffee beans? This is a more natural process than the original chemical method that used benzene, which was later found to be a carcinogen. This natural process is named for the country in which it was developed, a versatile country, even if it does produce coffee with what some might say is a more neutral flavor. <laughs> that was one hint too many. Um, we're locked yeah, in, yeah? I, I know it right away. Okay. What's, what countries are neutral? Uh, very typically Switzerland. Okay. Which, if you talk about versatility, a Swiss Army knife is pretty versatile. I drink so much coffee, and I have no idea, and I'm only I on mean, decaf now. And I, I mean, can't even... Sweden was neutral during World War II, but Switzerland's like almost always neutral. He did say something about coffee coming from there, though. I don't know of any coffee that comes from Sweden or Switzerland. Mostly, you know, South America, Central America, Africa. I have no idea. We can just say what you, you said, Switzerland? Yep. Okay. They're very neutral. Classic Neil trying to talk himself out of the right answer. Swiss, uh, Swiss, Swiss method. That is correct. It is the Swiss water method. So points to both teams. I thought you guys were going to talk yourselves out of that. Normally we talk ourselves into ones and we pull them from the nether regions of ourselves. But uh, yeah, we almost talked ourselves out of that one. Moving on to question seven, Uma Thurman. The opening line of this song is, I can move mountains. According to the book of Matthew, what would you have to have to move mountains? You don't have to have a hot dog as well, but it might help. We're locked in. You don't have to have a hot dog. You know this from the Bible? I don't know, 18 Jeff. years of indoctrination, baby. <laughs> um, you move mountains with hot dogs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that in the book of Matthew. That's what Uma Thurman Thou shalt take thy hot dog and place it between two buns. I was going to say, if there's anything that can move a mountain, um, buns will definitely move a mountain. So, and No ketchup shall toucheth the hot dog. <laughs> I really don't know. Um, when you said buns, it made me think of the Huns, but I, was, I don't think Huns nope, moved mountains. Uh, nope. Um, go, ahead, yes. I, go ahead, because I'm out of say it. Say water. I, I don't know. Water? That's fine with me. All right. Well, I think there might be a little bit more to the, the phrase than this, but it... Ends with mustard seed. So I think it might be something as big as a mustard seed, but we're going with mustard seed. Well, you had the mustard seed part, which was all over where the hot dog glue was, and you guys trampled all over that. The main part of the answer, though, is faith. Faith as small faith. as a mustard it's, seed. Yeah. Ah, okay. So no points so that's to what, either on that. That's what George Michael was singing about. <laughs> exactly. Moving you, mountains. You got to have faith the size of a mustard seed, but I think they cut out the size of the mustard seed from mm -hmm. the lyrics. You know what's really stupid? Cut out the whole hot dog verse, in fact. You know, you know what's really <laughs> stupid, Neil, is I was thinking it had to be like faith the whole time, and I'm like, no, that's not right. Like, well, I think Biscuit added the hot dog verse back into it in their, mm -hmm. in their cover. So if you go down a deep, dark hole of YouTube, you'll find the secret hot dog verse of George Michael's faith. <laughs> yes. Number eight, of all the gin joints in all the world. One of the lines in this song states, I used to waste my time dreaming of being alive. Now I only waste it dreaming of you. Nightmares are a type of dream, and they might sound like a terrifying horse. But the term mare in nightmare derives from a Middle English term, which meant what? All right, we're in. So we're looking for a Middle English word for mare? Yes. Consult Professor Tolkien. Oh, is right. that Lord of the Rings, Middle English? I thought it was just I Middle mean, Earth. No, I'm just saying Tolkien was a linguist. He was a linguist? His wife didn't say that. Um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's why he was always writing his world-building books. Okay, so nightmare, right? So well, it's a night dream, a night, um, night terror. terror. Yeah. I'm fine with terror. Okay, so Middle English for terror, like someone's they're scared of a mare or something. Yeah, I like that. And we said vision. Both close, but neither is correct, so no points in that round. It's a, an evil spirit, usually female, that was thought to lie upon and suffocate the sleeper, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. So Nightmare was a, a female evil spirit. Mm, good old sleep worse, paralysis. Worse ways to go. You know, if you pay enough, you can get that in Amsterdam. 
That's right. <laughs> From Dutch boy. From Dutch boy. Let me just lay upon your gloins. <laughs> no, Dutch boy. No. That's a gloin. Gimli is a, that's a son of gloin. That's how they pronounce it in Amsterdam. I believe we're back to a whole lot of new Tolkien words now. Those were all used in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Uh, question number nine, Tiffany Blues. Jeevan She made what for Audrey Hepburn to wear in the opening scene of Breakfast at Tiffany's and created a lasting classic? All right, so I think this is not jewelry. Is you it think it's the gloves? I don't think so, because at the beginning of Breakfast at Tiffany's, she's she's not Tiffany yet, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You didn't like that one, Neil? I, I enjoyed it, but right. I, I know you hate Breakfast at Tiffany. At least I don't you, hate it. You don't like Mickey Rooney. I don't like Mickey Rooney. Which I true. agree. You can't you, you, know. you can't defend that, but no, it's not a bad movie other than I that. We, but... I think we both kind of liked it. All right. I know her name is not <laughs> Thank Tiff- you, Matt. Thank you. I was waiting. I know her name is not Tiffany in Breakfast at Tiffany's. It was only a joke, people. Um, I think Capri Pants, maybe. Capri Pants? Doesn't she wear those? Like her pearl necklace? Isn't that... Kind was of. she wearing that in the beginning? She was broke. She was broke as a joke in the beginning. Well, I don't know. I've never seen it, so. All right, you want to say pearl necklace? I think she's the girl with the pearl necklace. Okay, we'll say that. I'm secretly thinking Capri Pants, though. I think only murders G- in the podcast. I think Jivon uh, she uh, actually birthed the cat that's in the movie. That's in the rain, but that's not our answer. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just the the iconic little black dress that she wears that's on the poster. And Only Murders in the Podcast got it right. It is the little black dress. Going back to, again, the lyrics of the song, Oh, baby, you're a classic, just like a little black dress. Like a little black dress. Yeah, we saw that live, Matt. We did, yes. And uh, look how cool running. Matt looks, too, by the way, over this this feed. He's just <laughs> leaning back with his arms, real casual today. Splendent in little, all his little too glory. casual. Being <laughs> bathed in the light of the Hulu screen. Super cash. Question number 10. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my sham friends. Champagne has been used to celebrate victories in sports since the 1930s. With what sport was the tradition started? For five bonus points, who is credited with inventing the bubbly beverage in the 17th century? So would the inventor be the the Dom Perignon? That is correct, 100%. Yes. All right, so we got that. What sport do you think? Well, so you said hockey, which is interesting. I was thinking hockey because you could drink it out of the cup. Out of the cup. Um, And I think it would have to be a team sport because it's something that's, you know, sprayed on each other and celebrated. You can't drink champagne by yourself. Yeah. That's sad, right? Is it sad? Yeah. Okay. Yes, Uh, it is, Matt. And we're worried about you. (laughs) Champagne. I I think I like hockey. I don't think, you know... Basketball's not really around then. Uh, I don't think they're doing on the football field. That's Gatorade. So let's go with hockey. Let's do a hockey, guys. I mean, if there's a if there's a sport that's uh, fits champagne, as far as I'm concerned, it would be the the racings uh, in the world. I mean, I feel like uh, Formula One does it on a weekly basis, where they get up on the podium, grab their champagne, and spray each other with the bottles. You don't want to drink and drive though. No, well, they're done with the driving. Uh, then they like to get plastered super hardcore, especially when they're in, um, you know, Monaco. But, uh, Neil, you happen to know who the uh, originator is? I agree with them. It is Don Perignon. Don Perignon, a French monk, was the inventor. Both get the bonus. However, only one team getting the original 10 points. It was Jeff and Neil auto racing and Jeff hit it right on the head. It was the French formula one when they would win the French grand prix. That was when they would do it since champagne came from France. So it evolved from that. So now they do it every week. (laughs) They can't get enough of it. It looks like after the first round, uh, Timothy Chalamet, the Dune squad are at 45 and only murders in the podcast with 65 um, but uh, speaking of racing and speaking of uh, having a full throttle and enough gas to, to uh, have in the tank to get you going all the way around the track, 
Patreon does that for us. It is the the gasoline for this show to keep us going on our long road trip of creating content for We're you. We're going to have to change Neil's tires. <laughs> well, you are yeah. required to in an F1 race at least once. So That is true. But um, I did want to bring up Patreon because, uh, James, you've been a patron for quite a long time with us. You uh, came in at just the right time, uh, right when the pandemic started, and it, it uh, helped us out immensely. And we can see our... Uh, box behind you with our, our avatars on it and you're wearing a Triviality t-shirt, but we just want to actually give it to you. Um, have you been enjoying Patreon and is it nice to kind of learn a little bit more about us and the perks and all that good stuff? Absolutely. And my box was tremendous. I got all sorts of different Triviality things and I got my very own Dutch boy pen, which is a delight and sits on my shelves next to my Harvey Birdman attorney at law bobblehead. And some of my other knickknacks there, but it has been fantastic. And particularly again, during the pandemic and while we're still in kind of the slowdown, it was so nice to have you guys putting out content. Everybody appreciates so much what you guys do and how much you put into the, the broadcast. Well, thank you very much. And your support um, doesn't go unnoticed and uh, neither does the support of all of you listening who are patrons. And even if you're not a patron, if you just listen to the show, just uh, by lending us your ears and uh, hearing all the content we put out, that means a ton. But if you're able to support us on Patreon, that also means a ton because we're able to buy new equipment and um, give that back to you in the form of uh, gifts and, and posters and everything like that. And actually just time too, to, to do the uh, bonus episodes that we record as well, the two a month. So um, if you'd like to join James, you can go to patreon.com slash triviality podcast and help support the show. What do we have in store for the swing round, James? I have a midpoint that's a little bit different. It's kind of a type of game I just developed. We'll see how it plays. I call it in between days to keep on with our music theme. In this game, you will be given three events. I will read them in chronological order as they happened. First, middle, and last. Your challenge is to tell me whether the middle event happened closer to the first or the last event. Question number one. Sun Tzu writes the art of war. Dante's Inferno is completed. Machiavelli publishes The Prince. Question two. Aristotle tutors Alexander the Great and attempts to synthesize various philosophies of science and nature. St. Thomas Aquinas attempts to reconcile Aristotle to God in many works, including his Summa Theologica. And Nietzsche philosophizes, including the idea that God is dead and tries to separate philosophy from religion. His ideas were said to have inspired Hitler. Number three, the Great Pyramid of Khufu is constructed. Cleopatra is born. Elizabeth Taylor stars as Cleopatra. Number four, Gutenberg develops the printing press. Martin Luther publishes the 95 Theses. Martin Luther King Jr. gives his I Have a Dream speech. Number five, Mendeleev arranged 63 elements by increasing atomic weights in several columns, thus starting what we now know as the periodic table. Pierre and Marie Curie first theorize and then later Marie isolates radium. Tennessine, element number 117, is discovered. Number six, Charles Goodyear patents the vulcanization of rubber. Second, Henry Ford sells the first Model A. Number three, the first Indy 500 is run. Question number seven. Vivaldi completes the four seasons. The middle event, Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is first performed. And lastly, Frankie Valli in the four seasons release Big Girls Don't Cry. Set number eight. Alan Turing develops the Turing test of whether a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior equivalent to or indistinguishable from that of a human. 2001. A space odyssey is released, questioning whether artificial intelligence is good or not. And three, the first iPhone is released, putting artificial intelligence in our hands. Set number nine, the theory of relativity is published. Second, Einstein wins the Nobel Prize in physics. And lastly, 
The bombing of Hiroshima shows that Einstein's theories were accurate. And finally, number 10, the Wright brothers first sustained flight at Kitty Hawk. Yuri Gregarin becomes the first man in space. SpaceX becomes the first private company to send humans into orbit. All right, we will think about these questions and we'll be right back. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, exactly. <laughs> What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. And we are back. We have our answers, and let's see how we did. Set number one. Sun Tzu writes The Art of War, Dante's Inferno, Machiavelli's The Prince. Uh, For this one, we went with Machiavelli. Yeah, we said Inferno's closer to The Prince. That is correct. Sun Tzu's Art of War actually was the 5th century BC. Dante's Inferno was 1320. Machiavelli was The Prince. So there were 1,800 years between the first two. Only 212 between the second pair, so both teams getting points. Set number two, Aristotle tutors Alexander. St. Thomas Aquinas tries to reconcile Aristotle to God. Nietzsche tries to distinguish philosophy from religion. This one was troublesome, but we settled on Aristotle. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. Aristotle would have been about 350 to 400 BC. Nietzsche was the late 1800s, so then I just have to know when Thomas Aquinas was. I thought he was like 5th or 6th century, so we said uh, Aquinas to uh, Aristotle. Aristotle was, in fact, 343 BC. Nietzsche was 1882. God is Dead actually came out of a book called The Gay Science. St. Thomas Aquinas, 1274. Ooh, so much later. only... Only 600 years to Nietzsche and 1,600 years to Aristotle. No points for either team on that one. Set number three, the Great Pyramid of Khufu, Cleopatra and Elizabeth Taylor. Was Cleopatra closer to the pyramids or to Elizabeth Taylor? We think that this is a uh, an interesting one because you would think it would be py- pyramids, but we're going with Liz Taylor. Yeah, pretty sure uh, this is Liz Taylor. You are both correct. Cleopatra was born in 69 BC, and Liz Taylor was in 1963. The Great Pyramids are very, very old. It was 2600 BC. So Cleopatra was much closer to the movie than the pyramids. Number four, Gutenberg develops the printing press. Martin Luther does the 95 Theses, and Martin Luther King Jr. gives I Have a Dream speech. Uh, We're going with Gutenberg. And we went Gutenberg. And Steve Gutenberg's Bible is, in fact, correct. (laughs) Five points for each. There was only 77 years difference. The printing press was 1440. Martin Luther's 95 Thesis was in 1517. And it was another 446 years before Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I Have a Dream speech. Set number five. Mendeleev arranged the elements. Pierre and Marie Curie theorize and then dis- isolate radium and Tennessee and discovered. We're going with the atomic chart. 
Yeah, we uh, we said this is uh, Mendeleev, but we think it's a close one. It is not that close. Mendeleev was later than I thought it was. It's 1869, Pierre and Marie Curie, 1902, and Tennessine, 2009. So there were 107 years between the Curies and Tennessine, and only 33 years between Mendeleev and the Curies. And you may have noticed the gaps between the differences get smaller each time. So oh. they started out with big gaps and they got smaller. So they should have gotten harder as we went along. Number six, Goodyear patents the vulcanization of rubber. Henry Ford sells the first Model A and the first Indy 500. Uh, we're going with Goodyear on this one because I think Ford just was right on his coattails. We couldn't uh, figure out when the vulcanized rubber came about, so we actually said it was uh, closer between Ford and Indy 500. Only murders in the podcast got the points on that one. Ford sold the first Model A in 03. The first Indy 500 was 1911. So basically... And it was cars... called the Indy 500 because it took 500 hours to complete it at the time. Probably close to that, but only no, it took eight years. 500 cars because they were so unreliable. Yeah. Hey, can so... I race motor cars? So only eight years between Ford and the Indy 500. Goodyear patented vulcanization in 1844, so it was 59 years between that and Ford. And they've been prospering ever since. Look at me. I'm a motorist. I got an engine. I got a wheel. I got tires. Number seven, Vivaldi's Four Seasons, Beethoven's Ninth, Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons. Is Beethoven closer to Vivaldi or Frankie Valli? We just thought this one was more interesting if it was Frankie Valli, so that's what we went with. Yeah, this one, we, we thought the Vivaldi was around seven, early 1700s, Beethoven around early 1800s, and then we knew Frankie Valli was like late 50s, early 60s, but we just went with uh, Vivaldi-Beethoven. Once more, only murders in the podcast was closer. Vivaldi was 1720, Beethoven 1824, Frankie Valli 1962. So there were 104 years to... Uh, Beethoven back to Vivaldi, and 138 from Beethoven forward to Frankie Valli. Set number eight, Turing develops the Turing test about determining if a computer's behavior is indistinguishable from that of a human. 2001 A Space Odyssey is a movie about artificial intelligence, and the first, artificial, or the first iPhone is released, putting artificial intelligence in your hand, which was 2001 closer to. This one, I'm pretty sure, is a Turing test. That sounds right. We we went uh, from Hal to Tim Apple. All right. This time, it is Timothy Calumet that got it right because Turing developed his test in 1950. It was 1968 for Space Odyssey, the first iPhone in 2007. So it was only 18 years between the Turing test and Space Odyssey, but... 39 between Space Odyssey and the first iPhone. I can't let you do that, Neil. Open the Number nine. The theory of relativity is published by Einstein. He wins the Nobel Prize in physics partly for that. And the bombing of Hiroshima proves he was right. Which is closer? We went with the bomb. Yeah, we weren't sure if uh, Einstein won his Nobel Prize before World War II or after. We leaned towards before, so we said uh, theory of relativity to Einstein. Once more, only murders got that one right. The theory of relativity was 05. He won the pull or he won the Nobel Prize in 21. He got it 22, but he won it in 21. And Hiroshima was, of course, 1945. So it's 16 years from the theory to the prize, and 24 from the prize to the bombing. And lastly, Wright Brothers sustained flight at Kitty Hawk. Yuri Gagarin's the first man in space. SpaceX is the first private company to send humans into orbit. We might be off base here, but we went with the first flight. Uh, yep, and we went uh, Gregarian to SpaceX. And Timothy Calumet got that one. There's only a one-year difference here. The Kitty, the Wright brothers was 1903. It was 58 years to Gregarin, 
which was 1961, and then 59 years to SpaceX. So there was only one year difference there. But in fact, the Wright brothers' first sustained flight was closer to Gregarin. After the swing round, it looks like Timothy Chalamet, the Dune Squad, are going to be at 75 going into round two, and only murders in the podcast narrowly ahead of them at 100. Round two. We start and we go back to pop punk as our theme. There is a bonus element for each of you in this round. I'm going to have 10 questions, or actually 11, that all are the categories are a pop punk song. If you can name the artist of that pop punk song, you will get one bonus point per question. So you can earn up to 11 bonus points in this round if you get the name or the artist of those songs. And again, the songs loosely tie into what the questions are. Okay. Number one, The Ghost of You. What singer, born in 1934 in Detroit, was a prominent figure in the transition of R&B into soul? He wrote the song, Your Love Keeps Lifting Me Higher and Higher, and Lonely Teardrops. He lives on through tributes from later musicians, including Van Morrison recording a song about him, the Commodores, who referenced him in a song, as well as the memory of Marvin Gaye, and Hozier's self-titled album has a song in which a title references the, his name as that of children. Here's the funny thing. I always mix this guy up with the mayor and Back to the Future. Well, the mayor and Back to the Future is Goldie Wilson. I don't know. Do you, uh, do you want to just say Goldie Wilson? I have no idea. Um, Jackie Wilson. That's it. We'll lock in Jackie Wilson. And we lock right, in do nothing. You, <clears throat> do you have a, uh, a, a group for the song? Yes. It's My Chemical Romance. We don't right. have one, but that's right. <laughs> okay. So, Timothy Calumet gets the one bonus point. It was My Chemical Romance. And at the very last moment, Neil pulls out Jackie Wilson. So they get 10 points. The real question is, do you get a bonus if you don't get the question? Because then what are you bonusing? Just, I, just shut it. <laughs> they will be getting yeah. a jelly of the month check. <laughs> question two, mercy me. The counterculture of the 60s developed in many areas, both in the United States and overseas. However, a lot of the hippie culture centered around Haight-Ashbury and St in San Francisco. One of the leaders of that movement was a vocalist for Jefferson Airplane and wrote the song White Rabbit. She was also on stage during the Altamont concert when a fight erupted between her band and the Hells Angels. Who is this performer and activist? Again, I know the pop punk band. As do the, I. Yeah. No, Pretty sure Matt does I, too. I just saw them on last Thursday. So we know it's Alkaline Trio. Um, yep. what, who's, the, who's the singer? Do you have any idea, Matt? No, you know, I, I'm sure I've seen a documentary on the singer at some point in time, or they've come up in it, but I... Yeah, and the song's being used in the Matrix trailer, so it's like making a resurgence, but we're just going to say Janis Joplin. I, I'm totally blanking on... She does at times sound like Janis Joplin, but I can't remember her name. We can just go say Janis Joplin. That was the only thing I wrote down. Janis Joplin. All right. You're both wrong. Um, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. We... <laughs> uh, you did have it right. She did sing Somebody to Love as well. It was Grace Slick from Jefferson's Airplane was the singer there. Question number three. When September ends. He may not be Mr. October, but what player holds the record for the most home runs all time in the World Series with 18? Pretty good from for a switch hitter born in Spavanaugh, Oklahoma. Right, they're in. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Matt? Mr. October was Reggie Jackson, but he said it's not Mr. October. So now I'm confused. Um, a switch hitter from Oklahoma. We got Green Day, right? Yeah. <laughs> we know yeah, it's we Green got Day. Green Day. Yeah. All right, Reg there Reggie Jackson and Green Day. Yep. Green Day is once the time runs, right? Yep. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I didn't know this one for sure. But Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, 
I believe he was on the Yankees for a long time. Yep. Okay, so that was where my mind went, the clue. And yep. I was just thinking who's the best hitter of all Great time. Great little uh, miniseries I'll plug Bronx is Burning from back in the like 2000s HBO days. Oh, I'll have to see that. Um, and I was just thinking who's the best hitter in Yankees history. And I said Mickey Mantle. I think there would be a lot of debate over Mickey Mantle being the best hitter in Yankees history. Joe DiMaggio might have something to say about that, or maybe even Babe Ruth. But Mickey <laughs> Mantle is the correct dead. answer here. Yeah. Uh, Mickey Mantle is the switch hitter from Oklahoma here. So mm-hmm. in, he's the best switch hitter in Yankees history. We'll say that. Question number four, dirty little secret. The Watergate scandal brought down a president and changed the way we view our leaders. What two journalists were immortalized by their investigative reporting and more so by the movie, All the President's Men? Oh, what was the second guy's name? Damn it. You know, the pop punk band? Yep. Right. I don't remember this one. I know the song, but I don't. I can't. Matt counts himself among the members of the pop punk band. Mm-hmm. We, we can lock in. So I know Bob Woodward is one of them. Do you know the other guy? No. Ah, oh, no. man. Woodward and Smith and All American Rejects. We also locked in with All American Rejects, and uh, we locked in with uh, Dustin Hoffman and Robert Redford. Um, but actually, uh, Bernstein and Woodward. Bernstein, yeah. It was Woodward and Bernstein, and it was All American Rejects. I'm going to give five points to Timothy Calumet for that one. Oh, they got hey, out of it. How nice. kind. And I always we... thought it was Berenstain. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> and question number five girls and boys. Mary Catherine Goddard certainly delivered as the first woman in the United States appointed to what position for Baltimore in 1775. Previously, she had been a writer and publisher. In 1777, Congress commissioned her to print copies of the Declaration of Independence. Ultimately, she was removed from her position on the basis of her gender in 1784. I know, I know the band, so. We know, Matt. That's I great know. for you. Okay, well, we'll lock in. Jeff, you said you think you know it? Yep. You don't know the band? Oh, I, Girls and Boys, I think it's, um, is that the one from Ghostbusters? Five Seconds from Summer? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Matt, what's the band, first of all? Um, Good Charlotte. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ugh, yuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, we don't like correct answers. We like cars and money, but... Um, <laughs> You said press secretary, and I think that's a pretty good guess. Um, given that the year was before um, there would have been a president, I don't know if there would have been a press secretary, but we clued into his uh, maybe his hint of delivered, and we said postmaster general. Oh, that's a better one. Postmaster is the correct answer. She was appointed postmaster for Baltimore and then later lost her job because she was a female. So that puts them at 85, and I have only murders in the podcast at 143. Big surge. Question six. Feeling this. Published in 1837, what was the first binary form of writing? It also was described as night writing. I got nothing better, Neil. So if you want to lock that in, I think we'll, uh, we'll just go with it. We are locked in. All right, I think uh, Morse code, maybe? Um, what about Braille? Braille is that? not binary. Because it wouldn't be believe. just... Okay. Because Mor- Morse code be binary because it can be short or long. Dot, dots and dashes. Yeah. Oh, so I... pickups. <laughs> um, and, what's yeah. the, and what's the band? Uh, Blink-182. I'm figuring this. Yeah, we locked in with Blink-182 for the band. Um, and then we actually just said Braille. We thought maybe night riding, no vision, you, you know, it's at nighttime. I don't know. We said Braille. If you go back to the category, it was feeling this. Braille <laughs> dot. It's either a bump or it isn't. It's a binary form of writing. The first one, it is Braille, and it was Blink-182. We're getting killed, Matt. Mm-hmm. We sure are. What happened this round? Because you're in Dune Fever. You are 100% in this round, though, on the pop-punk bands. I've, I've, I've taken too much of the spice. Question seven. Everything is all right. Oh, my favorite. Not to, st- not to stress you out, 
But in the United States, around 30 million people suffer from various depression disorders, including major depression, bipolar disorder, and substance-induced mood disorders. Unfortunately, about 40 million adults suffer from this mental health condition, the most common in the United States. Um, I think I got a touch of this, so we're going to lock in. I would think maybe OCD. Oh, okay. Yeah, not to stress you out. OCD. What were you thinking? I got a touch of that too. Well, before I re- before he reread the question, uh, I was thinking of migraines, but um, I, OCD makes more sense. I don't know if that's a mental health issue. That's more of a physical. It feels like one to me, but you're right. No, no, agreed. Let's, let's go agreed. to no. I just mean to me because I'm going insane. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go. Um, OCD. I like that. And we're saying uh, generalized anxiety and. Uh, do you have a band? Yes, that's Motion City Soundtrack. Yep, Motion yes, City Soundtrack. Yes, indeed. It is Motion City Soundtrack. I'm not going to give you credit for OCD. Anxiety is correct. Anxiety mm. disorders mm. are the most common. Psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia are third. Dementia is fourth. Eating disorders are fifth. I thought he said anxiety. That's why I wasn't even listening to it. Me too. I, I just thought maybe general anxiety was listed already. I wasn't paying attention. Yeah. Question number eight, Anthem of Our Dying Day. Although national anthems and state songs are important musical musical representations, my state song is Home on the Range, by the way, flags are more easily recognized. Which U.S. state flag has the most stars with 34? I have a guess, Neil. Okay, I I trust you. You're the flag man. Do you have a pop punk band? Um, We'll just say Taking Back Sunday. And Matt, do you have a pop punk band? You're closer in the genre. It's story of the year. Mm. Um, and uh, the state, I don't know, something where you would see a lot of stars in the sky. Maybe it's a North Dakota or something like that. Let's go for it. Who knows? North Dakota. I mean, I know there's stars for like Alaska, Georgia, Arizona, um, but we just guessed Arkansas. Because I remember that having like a diamond with a bunch of stars on it. Arkansas is second with 29. It is Kansas, hence the reason I referenced my state song. There was a little game theory there. Um, I went through and looked at every state flag very closely and wrote this question and had the answer as Arkansas. And when I first play tested it with my kids, my oldest son said, don't we have more stars than that? They're in the state seal and they're real small across the top. So I went back through every state flag again. And in fact, Kansas, the 34th state, has the most stars. So question number nine, somebody told me. False rumors can change your life. The 2010 movie Easy A demonstrated that point. An all-star cast, including Emma Stone, Stanley Tucci, Lisa Kudrow, and Amanda Bynes, among others, it was a modern adaptation of The Scarlet Letter, a pre-Civil War novel Written by what American author? Oh, I knew all Ooh. the other things. Why? <laughs> I, I disliked this book so much that I'll never forget the author's name. We're locked so, in on both, right? Yes. Great. All right. So uh, the band is Franz Ferdinand, right? No. Killers? The killers. Yeah. yeah. Killers? Okay. I was like, I'll, Same break, band. I'll break your back. Same band. One was just, one was just shorter lived. Um, the author. For the got, Scarlet Letter. I've got mm. this somewhere. Hawthorne? No. Nathaniel Hawthorne? That seems right. Hawthorne Heights? Nathaniel Hawthorne Heights? <laughs> I think it's Hawthorne. Okay. All right. That is a delightful before and after for this category in particular. You are both correct, Nathaniel Hawthorne, and it is The Killers. We were yeah. going to say Nathaniel Hawthorne anyway. Okay. We had it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I I wrote down that you had it because you got it so quickly and Neil was so fervent. They I'm were sorry, excited. I it's all right. I was excited. I, Nathaniel Hawthorne excites me, but also depresses me. Enrages yeah. you. Yeah. He's an upper and a downer at the same time. Question number 10. Gangsters and thugs. Some of my friends sell records. Some of my friends sell drugs. What drug lord from Colombia at one time was estimated to have smuggled 80% of the cocaine coming into the United States? His net worth exceeded $30 billion when he was killed by Colombian National Police at the age of 44. You got the band? I actually don't. Do you know this one? Nope. Well, that's okay. We got all the other ones. Yeah. How many drug, drug lords do you know? 
I know Pablo um, Escobar, but that's Escobar. It. Uh, well, thanks to I, my extensive watching of Narcos. I know yeah, we know about the Narcos. Yeah, Johnny Johnny Narcos, right? Obviously. Hey, it's me, Johnny Narcos. <laughs> I don't have drugs. But I got Saganaki. <laughs> Opa! He's, he's moonlighting in a Greek restaurant serving Saganaki, and he's laundering money in the back. Johnny Narcos. <laughs> New character? <laughs> Worst character? Worst you like character? grilled cheese or you like uh, pork shank? No, I don't like there this are, character. There are, there are worse, worse characters than that for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just say P- Pablo Escobar because I don't know. Yeah, for gangsters and thugs, let's just guess that's a, that's a sublime. No. No, you know all the sublime songs. Yeah. Let's guess Mest. Mest. Ooh. So much money that they literally put it in garbage bags and buried it at the Medellin cartel. We said Pablo Escobar. Do you have a guess on the band? Uh, we'll say, I'm just trying to think of someone who would name their song Gangsters and Thugs. How about um, Hello, Goodbye? I don't know. They would not. <laughs> they would not. <laughs> exactly. Pablo Escobar is correct. Both teams get 10 points for that. The band was The Transplants. Oh, oh that. Woo-hoo. Diamonds and Guns. In a special question 11, again, I had talked to you guys before. I had a bunch of midpoints for this and didn't use them, but this is one I adapted. So your category is California Uber Alice. The Secret Service began using code names for the President of the United States with Eisenhower. I'm going to give you five presidential code names. You match each of the five to the correct president. So here are your five code names. Volunteer. Tumblr, Renegade, Searchlight, Rawhide. Okay, uh, we think we have some pretty good answers. We're locking in over here. So I have the band, Matt, so we don't need to worry about that. Um, volunteer, I want to say Carter. Rawhide, I think it's Reagan. It seems like that makes sense. Uh, Renegade, that seems like Bush W. W Bush, yeah, 100%. Tumblr... I would say uh, Slick Willie. And Searchlight, let's go with Nixon. Just because he, he, he was a fan of uh, guys walking around with flashlights. So for us, we agree with you. We had uh, Carter as the volunteer. Uh, for Tumblr, we actually went Bush Jr. because he was a cheerleader. Um, so we don't know if that maybe was the tie-in there. So W. Yeah, W. Renegade, we as said. he's never known as, as Bush Jr. We said, uh, we said H-dubs. For uh, Papa Papa Bush, Biden for Searchlight, and Rawhide, we agree. Sounds like that's probably the TV show. We said Reagan for the cowboy angle. I'm sorry, who did you have for Searchlight? We just said Biden. We didn't know. And the musician is the Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys, yeah. So both of you got the Dead Kennedys. I'm going to go through them, and then we'll go back and talk about which ones you got right. Volunteer was Johnson. It was in reference to the Peace Corps and pushing for volunteers. Hmm. Tumblr was W, and again, it was what Jeff said because he was a cheerleader. Renegade was Obama. Searchlight was Nixon, which Ken and Matt pulled out. And Rawhide was Reagan, which you both got right. So I have that you each got two questions right. All right, so we picked up five points on that one. What does our score lead to? If my math is correct, and James can correct me if it is wrong, I believe it is 124 for Timothy Chalamet, Dune Squad, and 181 for Only Murders in the Podcast. That is exactly what I have. Yes. All right, let's get the final round categories. Since I got kind of cutesy with all of the different topics and categories during the game, the final, and I'm going to be straight with you here, these are what they seem, and they are essentially trivial pursuit categories. Question one, sports and leisure. Category two, history and literature. Question three, entertainment. Question four, geography. And question five, science and nature. All right, the wagers are now locked in. Let's get the questions. Question number one, in sports and leisure. Not counting amateur events or senior events, foreign golfer has won the most major golf tournaments it's never about leisure it's always sports question two history and literature 
The Agony and the Ecstasy by Irving Stone in 1961 is a biographical novel about the life of what Renaissance artist whose real last name is Dilo de Vicio Bunarote Simone? Question 3. Entertainment. In 1919, four individuals broke from the major movie studio format in an effort to control their own interests. They formed United Artists. Who were these four mavericks that began their own studio and started what might be the genesis of independent movies? Question 4 in Geography. Name all of the five Great Lakes in order from largest to smallest. And question five, science and nature. Known as water bears or moss piglets, these creatures have been found everywhere in Earth's biosphere, from mountaintops to the deep seas, in mud volcanoes, and from tropical rainforest to the Antarctic. What is the name of this creature that can withstand extreme pressures, extreme temperature, air deprivation, radiation, dehydration, starvation, and have even survived exposure to outer space. All right, those are the questions. We'll be back with some answers. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, all the answers are now in. Let's see how it all shakes out. Probably not too well for us. Going back, sports and leisure. Not counting amateur events or senior events, what foreign golfer has won the most major tournaments? What did you wager and what are your answers? We wagered uh, 20 because Matt's a sports guy, but then it was a golf question. But Matt still had a pretty good idea. Yeah, I think it's uh, a female golfer from somewhere in the in Europe, and we said Annika Sorenston. Ooh, that's a great guess. Um, I know a lot of, about the men's golf ones. Neil originally said, what about Ernie Els? But I said, no, I think it's actually another South African um, Gary Player. And how much did you wager? We wagered 10 on that one. Gary Player has nine major championships from South Africa. That is the man with the most majors from outside of the United States. However, Annika Sornstam has 10 from Sweden. Yes. (laughs) Timothy Calumet gets that for 20 points. Don't even feel bad about the sports question. Question two, history and literature. The Agony and the Ecstasy by Irving Stone in 1961 is a biographical novel about the life of what Renaissance artist whose real last name was Dilo de Vicio Bonarote Simone? Well, uh, we went through the turtles and we picked Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, I feel like I could almost hear de Vicio da Vinci in there. For 20 points. Yeah, I believe we said the same. Yeah. For 10? For 10 points, da Vinci, yeah. That is actually Michelangelo's last name. Wow. You picked the wrong turtle. Question three, entertainment. In 1919, four individuals broke from the major movie studio format in an effort to control their own interests. 
they formed United Artists, who were those four mavericks that began their own studio and started what might be the genesis of independent movies. We wagered 30 on this question. And uh, yeah, we went with uh, Charlie Chaplin, uh, Douglas Fairbanks, D.W. Griffith, and perhaps the biggest movie star of all time, if you count uh, when she started, Mary Pickford. We were really close with that. Yeah, yeah. We wagered 20, <laughs> and we said Chaplin and uh, Buster Keaton, and then we ran out of 1919 people, and we said Goldwyn and Mayer of MGM. Neil was exactly right. Douglas Fairbanks and Mary Pickford, who I believe were married at the time, Charlie Chapson and director D.W. Griffith. Question number four, geography. Name all of the five Great Lakes in order from largest to smallest by volume. And Timothy Calumet, what did you guys have? We declined because we wagered zero. Yep. So pretty sure Superior is the largest. Michigan is very deep. So we went with that next. Huron, Ontario, and Erie. And how much did you wager on that? Uh, 30. And you received 30 points for that. It was Superior, Michigan, Huron, Ontario and Erie. If you go by surface area, you switch Michigan and Huron and Erie, Ontario, but Jeff had it right by volume. So it is 30 more points for only murder. And finally, five science and nature known as water bears or moss piglets. Basically, these creatures can apparently survive anything. One mur or only murder. What did you have? Yep, they say uh, after the uh, nuclear apocalypse, it'll only be cockroaches, but really it's only going to be tardigrades for 10. And uh, we are breaking even in the final. We are saying tardigrades. And you do, in fact, break even. It is tardigrades. So you started at 124. You end at 124. But today, the big winners are only murder on the podcast. With 231, Ooh. according to my count. Good well, job, guys. There's Here a today's murder on this podcast. Cream of the crop. <laughs> You're a winner, baby. Uh, yeah, great game, guys. And uh, James, great questions, too. All over the board, uh, different you know, categories, pop punk, all that good stuff. And uh, the swing round was great. So thank you very much for putting this game together. Well, I appreciate you guys letting me come back on and give it to you, give or play this game with you. It was very enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Thank you. Yeah, thank you also for being one of our um, highest pledged Patreon supporters. We we appreciate that. And you also, uh, you're, you're also doing the Day with Triviality. You still got to do that after COVID. So we're looking forward to that. And that'll do it today. Any, any last shout outs? I'd just like to say thank you to all the members of the crop who play tested this game and helped me out with it, as well as my family, my wife, Tracy, my uh, son, Joel, and his girlfriend, Mary, my son, Alex, and his girlfriend, Morgan, as well as some of their friends who got together. I took them out to dinner. Um, Alan and Courtney and Trent and Haley, I appreciate you guys taking an afternoon to play through this as well. So thank you to all those people who helped me prepare this for you. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, we were uh, pretty much slain here, so I'm going to go take a nap. But uh, thank you all for listening. For Matt, James, Jeff, Neil, and myself, that was Triviality. I'm glad you can't read Neil's, Neil's page. Neil's got an excellent poker face. He's a, he's a liar like I've never seen. <laughs> Not that he lies about important stuff, but when we play like one of those lying games, uh, he's devious. He's stone cold. Maybe he does lie about important stuff and I just don't know it. <laughs> it's, it, it can. The, the trick is it's not a lie if you think it's the truth. <laughs>